Hello and welcome to the Grassroots Gardening Podcast with your host Matt and Mike, where we talk about what it's like to own and operate a gardening business inside of the UK. We talk about gardening, we talk about business, we talk about tools. Make sure you stay tuned. Hello, welcome back to another episode. So we've got a great episode for you guys today. We've got Austin from Alec Mowers and Austin is the Managing Director of Alec Mowers and I'm sure you guys have seen um, in the industry that Alec Mowers are a fantastic provider of cylinder mowers and uh, from what I can see very very innovative and you know I personally don't use Alec Mowers but I'm really really looking forward to kind of delving into Austin's story about how we got into the industry and just generally a little bit about cylinder mowers so um, welcome Austin thank you for coming on thank you for your time I know you're a busy guy Thanks for inviting me on. I really appreciate it. Oh, you're very welcome. So where did it all start for you in terms of the green industry? How long have you been around and kind of, yeah, just, just talk about kind of like where you started from. Sure. So, um, yeah, uh, where did I start? Gosh, that, I, I'm getting on a bit now. Uh, I'm, I'm quite a bit older than you guys. So um, uh, let me think back. So uh, for me, you know, when I was at school, I worked on a market garden. That, that's what I did. Uh, you know, my 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 dad's a plumber. My mum was a primary school teacher, and um, you know, dad kicked me out at thirteen, saying it's about time you went and your pocket money's stopping. You better go and get a job. So I went and worked on a on a market garden, picking potatoes, spraying yeah. all, all that type of stuff in a tunnel, strawberries, whatever. And I absolutely love that. Um, but the main thing it taught me sort of from the, the five years till I, I left home then um, was that every time you're doing a manual job, I'm going, there's got to be a better way than this. Yeah. Yeah. There's got to be a better way. You, 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 we all do it. Better We're way. all using it. If only this mower was a little bit wider, if it only did the edging at the same time and all, all that type of stuff. And you but I, you know, machinery for me is is absolutely everything. Yeah. You know, I, I put my hand on the tractor bonnet. I can tell you how she feels. You know, yeah. I love, I absolutely love machinery. So I, I then went and did agricultural engineering at Ritter okay. Agricultural College. So machinery is absolutely my thing. You know, and then and then if we can make it mathematical, that's even better. Um, and uh, so when I finished, uh, I, I went and did uh, uh, three years at uh, college. And when I left, I went and worked. Um, I decided I was to go and do something voluntary. So I went and did VSO, which I, I think is just about going still now. That's voluntary service overseas. I got a two-year placement in Fiji in the South Pacific. All right. School, okay. school out in the bush. And um, I taught agricultural engineering. So, and um, in two years, when you work in developing countries, I had a fantastic opportunity. I was head of department uh, at a 2000 student uh, school, uh, and the older students would teach, would talk vocational subjects. So, they'd go back to their villages and, yeah. and improve the village life. Um, so, I, I had quite a time there a couple of military coups, uh, arrested, held a gunpoint all sorts of interesting things that only happen to you in developing countries the reason i was arrested whatever was, was because of the military coups yeah, not, yeah, honestly yeah. not because of anything else and uh when i came home again um you, you, i'd like oh I, I need a plan so uh, I didn't go into agriculture or agricultural engineering. The agricultural machinery industry is not, 
you know, is not uh, very strong in the UK. Uh-huh. And, and I went and joined a company that was importing and distributing uh, turf harvesting equipment okay. and mowers and things like that, a company called Turfland, and they were distributing uh, briar equipment. Uh, and I was with them for a few years and worked my way up uh, to leading that machinery business. So I'm now 25. And uh, I decided actually that I I could do a better job myself, I suppose. That's yeah. what you do. I, you know, you, we've got to treat customers better than this. We've got to get more resources in place to make sure customers are looked after properly. So I actually started by importing some products from Canada. Okay. And uh, I, and that's how I got going. I, yeah. I literally, we, my, my ex-wife and I sold up our houses. We put all the money into the business, which I think at that time was about, this is in uh, 1990. Okay. And um, we put all our money into the business, moved in with my mum and dad at their farmhouse, where I got a bit of a yard that I could operate from. Yeah. And just me on my own, we, we started uh, importing, distributing machinery. I did a bit of contracting on golf courses with the machines I was importing made my demonstration stock work a little bit harder. <laughs> uh, and before I knew where I was, I was actually improving the products, then went, actually, I may as well build this myself now because it's more improvement than it was original product. And so I, I rented an industrial unit and got a welder, a guillotine, and started cutting steel, painting all night, welding all day, and um, started to take some people on. And uh, so that was wow. primarily aimed at golf course equipment. Yeah. Uh, so I imported and distributed some machines, started manufacturing more machines, and basically built that all, uh, built that up uh, over wow. time. We had a few lucky breaks. I, I met uh, uh, Ian Waddington from Multicore, who was importing an Australian coring machine. Yeah. Um, John Deere bought him out, uh, or rather bought the manufacturer out, and he was left with no products. So he came to me and said, how about, could you could you make one of these machines or something similar to this machine, should we say? Uh, and we said yes. And that was five weeks between Winds, uh, before Windsor Show, the Soltec Show. Yeah. And uh, in five weeks, we had them a range of three machines on their stand ready to go. And that product was really successful. That's um, they, they sold hundreds of them all over the world. And um, so, you know, we had a few look at it. a lot of the products we built, you know, we had, everyone told us, if only you could do this, it would be absolutely amazing. So you build the product and ta-da, there it does, it does exactly what you say. Oh, that's a lot of money, isn't it? And uh, yeah, very nice. Well done. Well, are you going to buy one now? Well, well, I didn't say I was going to buy one. I said it, was, <laughs> it, was a, it would be a nice idea if we can have a machine just like this. So, you know, you make a lot of mistakes along the way. Yeah. And you think, well, actually, what I need to do is listen to my customers more carefully than that. And I need to speak to more of those customers mm-hmm. to make sure that they're all asking for the same thing. Because that's that's the key one. You, you yeah. might end up with some guy that has a harebrained idea, but actually you want to listen to the ones that are saying it's obvious. You know, we're, yeah. we're, we're in a horse and cart and we really need something that's motorized and doesn't need to eat and... Yeah, <laughs> you know, uh, and, and then, and although Henry Ford would disagree with me, that isn't what the customers were asking for at the time. They were asking yeah. for the faster horse, right? Um, but actually, it, it, it's about listening to customers, I, and I think that is exactly the same for any business. You know, you ju- yeah, not listening carefully to what your customers are telling, you and you're not taking the time to speak to your customers, then you don't know how you can add more value or. Yeah. or how you can earn more or how you can grow your business. Uh, and, and so that, that's, that, that, that's what we did. And we just built that up and up. Uh, um, 
2008 was really tough. It will be before you guys can probably remember, but 2008 I know, I, I was, was working. And, you know, all golf courses went from being, uh, yeah, you'll have to wait until somebody dies before you can join, uh, to yeah. free six months membership yeah. uh, because all their members just dropped out. And um, I was also selling a whole range of turf production equipment as well, big harvesting machines, you know, 200,000 pounds a time. Uh, and that's a building material. My customers were yeah. reducing it and building stopped overnight. So uh, fortunately, a couple of years before that, a year before that, 2007, I bought Alec Mowers. Yeah. It was a business that was stumbling along a little bit. I think it was mm -hmm. doing about a million pounds worth of sales. They hadn't really made any profit for several years. and um, But they got some really good base products and they got some yeah. really good following. So we'd taken that product Product, product range on and absorb that into the business. My original business was called Turf Mech. Yeah. Um, we absorbed Alec Mowers in, but um, uh, a couple of years after that, we then bought all the assets, uh, all the machinery, the, the tooling, the the design rights to uh, all the Atco product range, which included Suffolk Punch. Yeah. Names these are Suffolk Punch and um, also Qualcast. And, and the idea of that was the mowers was going really well, but it was only professional products. Yeah. And we said, actually, let's make a wider range of cylinder mowers. And I sold off all the designs for all my other golf course products that I was making. And we just focused, as of 2012, we just focused on cylinder mowers. Uh, we changed the name of the company to Alit, mm -hmm. and, uh, which, which I own the rights to and everything. And so all we've done since then is just relentlessly try and get higher quality product, reach a wider audience around the world. Uh, uh, and as you, as you say, the innovation for me is the big thing. Yeah. Um, you know, I'm a lawnmower manufacturer in the UK. Mm -hmm. um, the average factory worker today in, a, in an engineering works in China earns less than $6,000 a, a year. Um, and the factories are for nothing. The, the Chinese yeah. government will give you all the money you want to build a factory if you can fill it. And so it's really difficult to compete against the Chinese. Uh, oh, and, you know, yeah. We all, we all yeah. buy Chinese stuff, right? Yeah. But uh, one of the advantages you have when you were clearing leaves today is you're not going to have to compete against the Chinaman that's going to come in and do it for half the price. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, 100%. When you're a machinery uh, manufacturer, that's a different matter. <laughs> yeah, you've got to add something. If you're trying to compete at the the budget end of the market trying to sell the benefit of having a uk-based manufacturing versus chinese you're going to really struggle you've got to offer something quite significantly different and yeah i i believe that you do so it's um, and how do you do that? Uh, you know, that is always the thing for me. Yeah, is how do you innovate in your business? And it doesn't matter what you do. If you think there's no innovation available in your business, uh, yeah. then you are, you're wrong because somebody else is going to be innovating yeah. in your business. So are you going to do it first? Are you going to take a few wrong turns? Because you always do when you're innovating. Uh, and for me, the, the big thing was for me was cylinder mowers. They use so much less power than a, than a rotary mower. So they're really easy to drive. You don't need a big engine on. And also, if you turn the engine off, they're really, really quiet. So yeah. to drive them by electric for me was just a, a, an absolute no-brainer. Yeah. Um, and, and that is what that my part of the relentless um, move forward with the business and the relentless uh, innovation in the business has all been about driving these mowers electrically. Uh, yeah. I mean, we saw the um, – is it the Sterling that uses the – 
the ego, the ego system. Uh, we saw that at Soltex last year when it was kind of, I think it was unveiled at like 2 p.m. or something. Um, that was actually really quite staggering, really, to be honest, um, because obviously ego had released a couple of different products, like they released the separate engine that, you know, you could one day put onto something else and a couple of other bits. But yeah, to have that option, and I know there's quite a few more options now that they've got, but yeah, that was very much the first. And to see it on a UK brand when they're an American-based company was also quite, yeah. Yeah, yeah. It, was nice to, it was nice to see, to be honest. And cool. I think for me, it was the fact that it it looked cool. And I know that sounds really silly, but like I've got an image of like my granddad using a cylinder mower. He had an old call cast and he was like, you know, it kind of looked like something from like the Norman Wisdom films. Like they always do. They're not really... But that actually looks like something you'd like want to own. And um, yeah, it looks, yeah, it actually, the design looks really good. Yeah. Um, and that's yeah. really nice of you to say. And, and I've got <coughs> some fantastic uh, design engineers work in the business. And yeah. that probably leads on to, on to at some stage, uh, the people in your business. But yeah. <clears throat> we've got some really fantastic people in the business. And and you, you're right. You, you've got to make it so that it looks like a cylinder mower. You know, yeah. Absolutely, yeah. a cylinder mower. But how does it look so much more special? Because, you know, I, I have to be honest that, that, that the majority of people that buy our machines for their homeowners uh, or, or even for work, yeah. it's men. And the yeah, yeah, yeah. makers are generally over 50 years old. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, you need to some, have something that still looks purposeful, yeah. uh, uh, but at the same time looks modern. But but it still has the heritage look, you know the the red cylinder. The red cylinder. You 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 just can't move away from having a red cylinder because that's what cylinder mowers have, right? Yeah. And uh, so you know the really nice of you do, for, for you to say that, and that is absolutely what our market research says, you know. And our market research is quite simply, what do you think of this? Yeah. <laughs> what, yeah. You know, what do you like? Oh, it looks lovely. Or what do you like about it? You know, and then you can try and pick out the essence of what it is because styling yeah. is really important. And it, uh-huh. if you're buying a, a British-made product, I need to have styling in it yeah. because it's part of the value proposition. And uh, you know, if you you go on on onto YouTube or TikTok, you know, you see guys at the moment. I think they're all putting their sterling to bed. You know, and I mean, they're literally taking it in the garage, putting a blanket yeah. over it, and lying down next to it. You know, it's. I've seen some of the social media stuff with like the guy (laughs) taking it out, yeah, (laughs) yeah, taking it to bed with him. It's uh, it's hilarious. Yeah, so it's hilarious some of that stuff. But do you know what? It is actually, it's a big purchase um, compared to compared to what you could have a cheap rotary home mower that plugs into the wall. Um, So it is. It's an expensive purchase, and you do have to be have it as a hobby. Long care, you re- you really do to be spending those types of money, and yes, it gives you a benefit, but like, yeah, you have to really kind of be into it, and um, I think you do have quite a loyal following of like Alec fans, and I think any kind of higher end brand tends to attract certain people, but you do really seem to have like an incredibly loyal following, um, which is an interesting one because obviously they don't purchase a new one every year. Of, of a cylinder mower that's got to be like on a cycle of what five to ten years at least yeah i think, yeah. I think we, we've done surveys and, and even the homeowners are replacing that product between 12 and 20 years wow right, and okay. professional oh, users are using them every 
using them every day. Um, it's 14 to 16 years. I mean, there are outliers, people that keep them going for 25 yeah. years and people that replace them earlier. But, but yeah, for 14, 16 years, I think, on our professional products. So it's really, you're dead right. You know, these guys aren't really coming back very regularly to replace their, their mower. Uh, and, I and guess, the homeowner especially. Yeah, I, I guess it's interesting. I guess the fans, so they're promoting you and they're giving you, you know, they're giving you free PR and there's nothing better than a, a, a personal recommendation of somebody that's used it. But they're not repeat customers, which is really over a short-term period. Um, I guess you've, um, I guess the battery might add an extra, like, that might shorten the time down a little bit because one, two, three, four seasons go past of seeing these batteries, and it might just kind of encourage a bit of a a bit of a newer market. Um, because you've got your own range of batteries as well, haven't you? As on to, on top of the on top of not, the not yet, not unless you've been in in my R and D shop. Uh, um, the we are. <laughs> oh, using, sorry, I thought I saw it on the website. Sorry, I thought I saw it. No, no. So we're using we're using Ego battery on the premium homeowner yeah. products, and then we're using uh, Greenworks. And cream on the the more sort of the the the, the they're not, I call them budget. They're not budget. They're still very expensive mowers, yeah, yeah. uh, but also eighty-two volt systems on our professional products as well. Right. So we we do, we really love this interchangeable battery idea because yeah. the batteries are such an important uh, an expensive part of the of it. Mm -hmm. And I can try and justify it saying, well, yeah, you're never going to buy petrol ever again, but but actually that's still quite difficult justification but if i can take that battery out and use it in my blower my edger my hedge cutter yeah. then really the, the price of the battery doesn't get attached to the mower so much as it does to all the other equipment as well yeah 100 percent. and i'm so i'm a big ego user and um pretty much everything but the mowers um that's just a cost thing um i, I use hater because i think they roll perfectly yes. for, a, for a rotary mower i think they're brilliant and yeah. shopping wise i'm very very limited because i have this stack of ego batteries that i'm just not going to start investing in something else that doesn't use that thing because i've spent loads i've spent you know and i will continue to invest and you know buy extra ones and yeah i'm very much yeah a limited sure. shopper now uh, yeah. I, I mean i'm in the market for it so yeah I'd, i'd have to i guess if it was a petrol one that might be slightly different because obviously it's not battery dependent but it's always kind of nice to add to your collection as well. Sounds a bit daft. But, um, Absolutely. It's um, in us all, that collection, isn't it? You know, uh, you, we see uh, photographs of our guys, you know, they've got all the cartridges, the interchangeable yeah, yeah. cartridges, all, all neatly stacked on the wall with with all their other ego equipment as well, all neatly lined up. And, and of course, it, these battery guys are, are really clever because you, you now might wear out the equipment but you've already got battery so yep. now you're going to have to buy another piece of equipment and if the battery goes well you've already got the equipment so you're going to buy another battery so it's going to be ever so difficult to break out of that that ego loop that you have now happened to me last Monday. yeah I, my, my long reach hedge trimmer body broke just out out of warranty i had 10 days worth of solid hedge cutting on conifers i went straight out bought another body without even thinking about it because it fits and it works and we got the, you know, and we got the job done. And yeah, I didn't even, didn't even think about it, which it's kind of a shame. I couldn't get to go shopping, but you know what? Like works work and we, we got the job done. Absolutely. What's, um, what's 
your thoughts on uh, robotic mowers in terms of, because um, obviously I don't know of a cylinder mower that's um, robotic. I don't think there's one out there. Um, Not yet. Is that, some, is that something, is that a market you're paying attention to or is that, do, is that seen as like a separate someone else's thing? I, I think robotic uh, robotics is really appropriate for grass cutting. I, yeah. You know, I, I, you know, the, what is the best way to get a best lawn? What's the easiest way to get a best lawn? And that's just mow it more regularly, right? The more regularly yeah. you mow it, the better the lawn is. All the other yeah. stuff, really, mow it more regularly and you'll get a better lawn. Yeah. So the robotic going out every day, you know, is, is absolutely... That life, yeah. Yeah, that you get a healthy lawn and everything else. And okay, so if I want to get into the finer points of the Allet system and thatch and everything else, but if you just want a nice lawn, then robotics are really, really appropriate. Yeah. If you also hate mowing the lawn, then it's even better, right? Yeah. But, I, but so I, I got involved with robotic uh, mowers. I was importing and distributing a really big robotic mower for professional users. Yeah. It's, it's the, the the basic model is still available. But um, I think the biggest thing is, is that they're trying to make the robotic mowers really cheap mm -hmm. and the motors aren't big enough and then the, the circuit boards aren't big enough. And, and actually, I don't know anybody that can keep one of those mowers going for more than two years. Yeah. I, I don't know anybody that keeps them going for more than two, two years and you, your listeners might might put me right on that. And I think if you're really going to get anywhere with that to, to make it actually cheaper to mow with robotic mowers they need to be double the price yeah. and, and four times as strong and that for me within engineering when you're looking at value engineering that that is quite doable but that won't be done in china because they, they're constantly trying to beat the next manufacturer yeah yeah, yeah. and they're gonna china will only try and beat them by being cheaper and for me uh, that that's not really the route forward i think cylinder mowing could work well the steering of a cylinder mower is especially with the rear roller becomes a bit more complex but yeah, uh, yeah. We, we are able now to to drive and steer a mower uh, with a remote control just a wire going to it yeah, so really yeah. next next stage would be to do something along those lines and yeah it's it's a, it's a very strange industry that kind of because obviously it's people that they want a nice lawn, but they don't really want to do it. <laughs> they don't want to pay somebody for it. It's a really, for me, it's a really strange mindset. Um, but they are becoming more popular. We are seeing them, you know, Mike, you've got a customer with one. I yeah. don't know if you heard that episode. He destroyed his jacket because <laughs> um, he left it on the floor. And you, you've got a, you know, you, but that's a really large size. That's a large lawn, property, yeah. Yeah. Um, but not large enough for like a ride on because it's like complicated. Um, yeah. But yeah, it's a really, it's a really, it's a really interesting market that's kind of yeah. growing, and everybody seems to be getting involved in it as well. Like every year, there seems to be one more manufacturer kind of yeah. kind of joining yeah. the party. There's a hundred manufacturers in China all making robotic mowers, and yeah. the, you know they're they're not even all here yet. But uh, it hasn't been, you, you know, I, I haven't got the latest stats off the top of my head with the robotic mowers. But the interesting thing is in in the rest of mainland Europe, where mowing a lawn is not a thing, yeah, that it, it, they're switching to robotics and they're selling loads of robotic mowers, you know, and the only uh, there's two European manufacturers, one's really Husqvarna and the other one's in, in Italy. Well, they don't they don't really care about their lawn that much. They just want yeah. it cutting well. 
and it's been very popular over there. The Americans have very big lawns compared to us yeah. as well. So they are, you know, they, they are the petrol heads and have a big ride on zero turn or, yeah. or they'll go robotic. And the sales of robotic mowers, although I think they're growing here in the UK, are, are still not very high. And that there's no. one reason for that is that Englishmen, well, British people love mowing their lawn. Yeah. It's a thing for us. Yeah. And, and that's... That brings me back to why is it, you know, how does Alit survive manufacturing machinery in the UK? Uh, 62% of my sales this year have been abroad. Uh, really? And, wow. That's and the idea. Union Jack on that on that machine is the biggest sales feature because a striped lawn in the rest of the world is known as an English lawn. Yeah, yeah. Yep. Yeah, you know that that is a quintessentially English thing. So, you know, we know what we're doing. We must know what we're doing because we're Englishmen building lawnmowers, and and we can have you know one hour podcast just talking about lawnmowers. You know, <laughs> we're into it, right? <laughs> yeah. So, um, in terms of um your split, in terms of because obviously you you've got I guess quite a lot of commercial um yeah. customers and you know I'm, I'm sure that like you could reel off a list of like stadiums and bits and pieces that use your use your stuff uh, what's kind of what's the rough split between lawn fanatic residential and and commercial in terms of your um in terms of outlet is it like is it 50 50 or are you massive? professional to domestic coming out of this factory here is roughly 50 50. right okay. change over covid because all the sports stadiums shut and their income stopped yeah. and everyone was sat at home the lot, yeah. looking outside thinking i must get rid of that i must get rid of that sandpit and that trampoline yeah. and, and i'd need to get my lawn in order yeah and uh, so we did it was you know, compared with our competitor, that's just we have a main competitor. I, I hope you're not going to mention their name, but they they just do professional products. Yeah. You know, they they would have had taken a much bigger downturn. We were growing thirty percent per year in the three years yeah. of, of COVID, really. So um, that that's been tremendous for us, not for everybody, but for us as a business, um, was very good. And now the professionals coming back again. Uh, you know, the stadiums are open and they're earning money. And uh, yeah, their mowers are hardly used for the last couple of years will be wearing out again quite soon. Yeah. So yeah, roughly 50-50, and that depends on the year. Yeah, um, yeah, of course. Yeah. The export yeah. is definitely rising, still continuing to rise for us. What's what's the biggest country outside of the UK then? That's that's uh, um, USA. Right. Okay. Yeah, that, USA that makes sense because they they, um, they they do quite like the lawns. To be fair, some of them. They love their lawns, yeah. yeah. Uh, and you know whether they love them enough to be using uh, an alit, uh -huh. um, you know that's happening. But also they're they're upping their game in terms of the availability of the turfs and seeds that, that are flying. Yeah. If you've ever been to America, you you see typically you know this horrible triffid type grass that you know you can only cut with a rotary mower at two and a half yeah, inches yeah. high, minimum height of cut. But there's some really beautiful grasses coming out now. The the Bermuda grasses, the zoysias, um, yeah. that are need to be mown very low. They're very fine leaved. They're very drought resistant, um, and they'll take a little bit of winter cold as well uh, without dying off. But they need to be mown low. Yeah. So that we we're following a bit of a trend over in the American market with those types of grasses, um, to because some of the lawns now they've got the right grasses that they can mow low. Uh, tall yeah. fresco at four and a half inches is is, is not act, you know you're never going to mow that with a cylinder mower. No, no, because mm. I mean the because the um, the Americans 
I know it's a massive country, different climates, bits and pieces, but they do tend to mow more. The average person tends to mow more often than we do. That's as if you're not a lawn fanatic. So like, there's a lot of customers that would request like a fortnightly cut from from a service provider if they just want to keep the lawn down and it not look embarrassing. Whereas that same customer would probably go weekly in America during high seasons because it does grow quicker. So the cylinder mower kind of feels like it fits. I know their property sizes are massive and they have less restrictions. Usually the front lawn, you could just ride a right, a zero turn straight onto it. But it does feel like it fits a little bit more with those guys. Yeah, with and you remember the market is absolutely huge there. Yeah, so you know, if I get one or two percent of the market share here, yeah. if I was to even get point one of a, a percent of market share out in America, it would treble the size of my factory overnight. Yeah. You know, so the demand is it's just much bigger. Um, and the American market, the average American is much more wealthy than us as well. They can, if they yeah. want it, they they can afford it too. Uh, and we're really grateful for that uh, but they're you know they're also into detail and they live on housing estates like we do without any fences so people can see their lawns and uh, you know they can get a really lay down a really good stripe um uh, you know they like like only like a cylinder mower can do right yeah, so, yeah, yeah. so we have that following youtube's been amazing for us because they all they're all doing unboxing videos of their alec mower and showing people how to use them and why you should yeah. scarify and verticut it's become very organic over there um and you we've also got because of the california market they're, they're banning uh, petrol engine lawnmowers yes. uh, in, in the next year or so so again that that move towards electric and cylinder being really appropriate for that is is really yeah hard. yeah 100 they they do love a toy over there as well like the yeah. machinery wise they, you know anything that any toys that they can get hold of they're a bit more they're less conservative than we <laughs> than, uh, than the british tend yeah. to be um, and and just play garages to put them all in as well, and you know, it's, <laughs> it, it really, uh, you know, so we're we're investing heavily in that American market and what they want because they want wider cylinder mowers as well. On of course, yeah, yeah, that makes sense. Uh, uh, you know, because their their lawns, you know, the stripe sits nicely on a wider stripe sits nicer on a wider lawn. Otherwise, it just sort of looks a bit like corduroy, and uh, with little thin stripes. So, you know, that uh, we're listening to that market really carefully. Yeah, uh, and uh, yeah, it, it's it's really interesting. Different types of rollers because they do most slightly higher. A lot of them, um, yeah. And the, the flat roller, you know, lays all the grass down before the cylinder gets to it. So we need to find better ways of getting around that too. But very exciting market, and and the Americans yes. are great. That and they're easy to get market research from as well because they they're very you know they're not polite like our english customers are. they just tell yeah, us yeah, which is yeah, yeah. No, fantastic you know because yeah, yeah. No, you just cut to the chase okay so i'm clear about what i need to do to make a better product <laughs> yeah you know you don't want fluffy answers when you're going after that when you're going after the detail 100 yeah. percent. um so you guys have attended saltex for the last couple of years um how obviously that's kind of quite a big mix of like professional sports turf people it's a mixture of us uh, similar to us guys um do you see like a direct benefit from the back of that or is it like a brand kind of awareness thing because it's uh, every manufacturer and every stand i see there kind of seems to have a bit of a different angle on why the why, why they want to attend i just kind of wondered why because you've been quite consistent from what i've seen over the last yeah. over the last few years 
this was my 30th Soltex show wow. you know, from Windsor show all the way through. So, um, so I've been doing that for quite a while now, you know, the world's changed so much. And, uh, you know, one of the things I think about how does a little manufacturer, we just employ 60 people here in yeah. Stafford, um, you know, a little company like this to be global player in cylinder mowers, you know, and, and have built a brand yeah. certainly in the homeowner market in the last 20 years, uh, we, we were well known in, in the professional market for a lot longer than that but we started from scratch in 2012 with yes the most for the home uh, but we've been able to do that purely because of digital uh, social media has just been the way that we can access that you know our our videos get bigger hits and toros or john deers or you know, just because of the content that we're that we're putting out there a little quirky uh, isn't it it's a little quirky, it's, quirky, it's down and dirty. Yeah. It's not it's not really sophisticated. I mean, we don't hire marketing agencies to write the scripts. We don't even write scripts. You know, my Laura, my social media wizard, uh, um, she, she's absolutely amazing. And, uh, and we can go out and shoot an hour's worth of video footage in about an hour and a half. Uh, and, you know, that's setting up all the machines and everything. It reduces the editing time, if, as you yeah. well know. The, the editing is the one that takes the big time, right? And and yeah, yeah. It's just, just if you can do, get it all in the can in about about two section, two or three sections, then it works well, and it's been received well. You know, don't get me wrong; I'm stuttering and erring all the way through it, but people are after the content, right? They're, they're, yeah, yeah, the, the smooth presentation is one really expensive, and two, you know, they're all the same, aren't they? If you can yeah. share some knowledge at the same time as promote your product which is a difficult balance but we, we try to do that um but it, it's difficult to do you know if you're a if you're a billion dollar manufacturer you've got to get a mower that works with the fuel you've got to get a model you've got to get somebody to write the script oh it's a sunny day and uh, oh oh dear we get to the lawn it's already been cut and you know so there's a whole load of things that need to come together to be able to yeah. successfully shoot a video um uh, and it, it's really difficult to pull together uh, unless you are saying, no, we're going to do it and we'll just make that happen. And that's that's been amazing for us as, as a business, yeah. as a small business, to be able to compete on a more global level as a very niche supplier of products. You know, they're, they're 100%. Very I mean, social media, it levels the playing field in terms of advertisement because it's Alex's YouTube channel has just as much potential as you know toro or you know john deere as you mentioned and you know these these are much bigger brands in terms of sales and numbers um but you can be there just with a couple of good ideas and you know a couple of things that just well rise the algorithm to be honest you know if you can get that thing that just keeps keeps the retention yeah you're laughing i mean you know i've, I've got a very small youtube channel and like a couple of the videos are just that I don't didn't think were particularly great. Just they kept the audience's attention all the way through, and they got a few thousand views. And then, like some of that, I thought was great. Just bombed. <laughs> and it's a really, it's a really, it's a really interesting little little world. But it does it levels the playing field for me. And yeah, absolutely. And you can also see get really instant feedback of what's interesting yeah. to your customers as well. You know, and yeah. I think you know our most popular videos, the biggest hits are how to how to get a dog pee patch recovered. Yeah, uh, and uh, you know, using compost in order to fertilize your lawn at seeding time. You know, yeah. and 
I don't think there's hardly an Alec Mower that appeared in it, but you yeah. know, you're still starting it with I'm Austin from Alec Mowers. And yeah. meanwhile, your right hand column's full of Alec, <laughs> full of Alec Mower videos, right? So you, you, you're in there. And uh, you pro- yeah, the thing is, if you provide value without asking for anything, then that's kind of it's the selfless side of social media. Um, and you do kind of have to do that a little bit and just because it's just it's just it's brand, isn't it? It's all, it's all, it's good all, for about us all. It, it's good for us all, isn't it? You know, and it, it, it's yeah. that democratization of it all, isn't it? You, you put it all so well that, that that's exactly the sorts of things that we're trying to do. And, you know, we don't have marketing degrees. We're just trying to, you know, I suppose evangelize or spread the word. We, we reckon that every 50 year old man it has a little seed inside him wanting to have a striped lawn. You know, all we've got to do is find a little way of watering that seed so that they they could it, it enables them to do it. And when they see how simple it is, yeah. um, you know, you 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 know what makes a striped lawn, but a lot of people, you know, it's the first question they ask is how, how do you actually make stripes on a lawn? You know, it's yeah. well, here's the learning. Get get ready for it. It's that easy. Yeah, I find I find the question tends to be how do I get a nice lawn. And then, like, because they Googled it, and then it's like, oh, you need to do core aeration and dethatch here. You need to spray it. You need to do this four times a week. And I think people are just like, whoa. <laughs> it's like, I meant, how do I get rid of the dandelions and make it look green? And it's, yeah, it, it starts as such a broad thing. And you, um, I think sometimes as a service provider, you've got to, you've got to really realign expectations that these people with nice lawns, it's their hobby. Or it's one. It's one of their hobbies. It's not like I'm not just going to click my fingers. I can re-turf it, but to be honest, it's not going to. Like, it's just going to go back one day if you don't do X, Y, and Z. But yeah, it's a it's a real um yeah. It's a it's a really good industry to be honest. Yeah. Yeah, um, absolutely. So I've got a question for you then. In the when you're talking about the lawn care industry you know and it, a lot of this is is it, you know is, is small one two three four man businesses yeah um and you know you you're doing a lot of them are doing what what i call cutting the grass mm-hmm. yeah whereas i'm looking for customers that want to mow their lawn that, yeah. so I, those are my you know that that's those two phrases just um just separate my two types of customers and, and there's a lot of people that want their lawn mown instead of their lawn cut. Yeah. And, but how do I get, how do I engage with you and your markets to actually say, actually, I'd like to do what I do at a higher level. But I, the trick is, how do I find the customers that are prepared to pay more? Because it's more expensive. The machines are more expensive. And actually, your knowledge needs to be higher. Yeah, and the knowledge you have is is the only way you earn more money, right? It's not mm-hmm. about getting more blisters; it's yeah, about yeah, yeah, yeah. more knowledge. Uh, and so, how do I? Uh, how do you accumulate that to actually be able to then start to find the customers that want a higher quality lawn? You earn more money, and that customer doesn't go anywhere else because all the other guys with a pickup truck and a rake uh, mm-hmm. can't compete with you because they can't do. Even if they buy one of my mowers, they're not going to be able to do what you're doing. No. So how do I lock into that customer base without having to start my whole Alec franchise lawn mowing service? Just give me a break if you ever do that. Um, <laughs> no, so, um, for me, it's mm. it's actually the other way around. And I genuinely, so to put it into context, I I do exactly that. I, I make tall grass 
small and it's and that is the, the a large part of my business now i would say that there are out of the what 100 about 140 customers that we deal with um over the season i would probably say that there's six to seven of them that are interested in what i'm doing why i'm doing it and there are a few that just will just give me money to go make it better as well that aren't inside of that but i would say that there is a few that's like you know when i'm scarifying and when i'm verticutting and you know when i'm doing the renovations like one chap comes out with a camera and he like take pictures of me doing bits and pieces and he gives me a copy if i want to use it for social media you know he's, he's a genuine fan it's just a little bit old to kind of be doing um doing bits and pieces i actually think it's the reverse way i think it starts with the manufacturer and i think it starts with the manufacturer talking about the benefits of having a service provider rather than a service provider selling the benefits of them and i think it needs to come the other way but when you're talking about the amount of people that are actually part in within that market it is quite small um but i think it starts with you guys um maybe training sessions and um social media advertisement we went out with we went out with matt today and you know we did x y and z and he used one of our things on his on his customers lot i think it starts from the top down rather than us pushing upwards um would be my um opinion on how that market increases um but it is gonna it is a bit of a challenge to be honest yeah. because to get me to spend two thousand pounds on a cylinder mower it's got to really justify its its payback and there needs to be a sizable um sizable market there and also it's slower which is obviously going to increase the price so not only is it like a, a niche bit of equipment but it's also more labor hours so yeah there needs to be yeah but i yeah and i, I think that anyway to summarize well, yeah, i'll challenge you down. to raise some time i'll challenge you to raise some time the moment the cylinder most quicker as long as the grass is the, is the right height and, uh, yeah, so I think yeah. You can I mean, mow quicker, yeah, yeah, lower grass, yeah. shorter, short grass, shorter, which is what the yeah. cylinder mowers do. Uh, so you need to mow it more regularly. So it is quicker to mow, yeah. but it, it's not once a month mowing. You can, you're no, 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 no. you know, it's got to be twice a week mowing at, at least, yeah. really during. Yeah, during yeah. It. So although it's quicker, you've got to go back there much more yeah. often to do it. So that's sort of where the earning potential is, and I, I, I I'm interested to understand that because you know the the american market is so much more um custom mowing as they call it you know mm -hmm. subcontract mowing yeah. there's a lot there's a lot of that that goes on mm -hmm. in, in the states you know you go to the states there's massive trailers just full of zero turn mowers yeah, um, yeah. going along the streets right uh, and um and it's not such a big industry here i think that's changing to, to some extent as a lot of people don't expect to do DIY, paint the house, get up on the roof. They, oh, they yeah. Don't yeah, do yeah, their yeah. garden either. So uh, uh, as compared with our parents' uh, time, and, uh, you know, really, you know, why are you mowing somebody's lawn once a fortnight? It, it, it's because they don't want to do it themselves, right? Uh, yeah, 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 100%. And actually, you know, it's not a difficult job, and actually we quite enjoy it, right? So, so you know. It, yeah, I think, yeah, I think there's definitely uh, an element of, so I've got quite a few customers. I would say we were in the 22 to 35 bracket. Um, and I mean, that's not a surprising amount, actually, to be honest, because 
that age group values the time. And I think when it becomes part of 10 jobs, if you can find a reasonable, you know, what you deem as a reasonable cost to outsource that, you will do. And I think that I think that age group's really good at it. And, you know, the older age groups naturally, you know, kind of for, for health reasons, for time reasons, for wealth reasons, you know, they'll get it. But the younger people really do, really do value the time. And um, yeah, I, th- I think as a service, it'll grow. And I think it'll keep and I think it'll keep growing. And but it might be a couple of challenging years and we've already had a couple of challenging years. So we'll, we'll, we'll see how much we do next year. But it's um, yeah, it's always I think it's always always a growing market from from what I've seen. Um, but yeah, I um, I think in terms of the enthusiast, which I guess is kind of your residential non-commercial market, um, I th- I can only see that growing as well. To be honest, at the moment, I think I think, um, and I think for one major reason is chemicals, because um, I think people are moving so far away from chemicals that anything you can do to kind of negate the need for it i think people will do now whether they'll go out and buy an outlet when they weren't really that interested in mowing the lawn before um but i can see a massive decline happening in um in chemical use and especially with like i think was it wales last year that decided to um or started the process of banning um glyphosate and you know there's, there's there's a few you know, there's and there's rumblings everywhere around it, and I just think with like the movement of you know veganism and yeah, I, I and I I think the enthusiast market will grow from there because where you could throw some chemical chemicals down before, you might just need to use some machinery. So that's my personal <laughs> personal opinion. Um, would you as uh, would you, would you ever venture into like slightly more garden gardening equipment or are you quite happy with the the cylinder market going kind of narrow and deep or would you consider like hedge trimmer for example or something that's kind of a little bit more because it's yeah it's still green industry but it's not like not directly we're never content that's for sure and we always want to you know we're we're competing in a very small market although we might have the biggest part of the market share globally in this market we we it's still a very small market yeah, yeah 100%. so you know should we be competing against hater yeah you know would be our next step i suppose um you know alex a brand that could do that well because it's about stripes mm-hmm. um, and uh uh you know could we be moving into other gardening equipment i i, I think we could but I have to say, when it comes to things like hedge cutters, you know, if I want to make a better hedge cutter, I've probably got to make it heavier. And yeah, you know, that's not how can I how can I achieve that? Because I, I really need to make it stronger and lighter and stay yeah. sharper for longer, right? Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. All those things are a little bit sort of um, go against each other. What could I do? You know, in terms of you know the real, I look at my base core business right now with lawn fanatics you know i go into some customers sheds that have just bought a, a four thousand pound sterling 51 uh, cylinder mower and all the cartridges and i go into their shed and there must be twenty thousand pounds worth of equipment in there you mm. know, aerators lawn yeah. roots fertilizer spreaders two or three rotary mowers as well you know i'm seriously mm. you know, 
they're they're seeding sheets that they put down when they overseed everything, you know, so they've got the money. It's just about finding that appropriate thing, you know, and I'd love to get lawn edging sorted out. You know, we all know that you can mow a lawn and have a really beautiful lawn. It's mm-hmm. the edging really sets it off, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah it does. Uh, and, Especially know. in the English market when they're smaller, it's kind yes. of your eyes run directly around. Um, in like larger properties, it's, it's slightly less, but like especially the smaller ones, you, 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 it pops. Yeah, exactly. It really does. And we're working on a lawn edging project right now for a customer right. of ours that, that lawn edges about quarter of a million miles a year. Does lawn edging quarter million miles a year? And uh, so they're looking. They they wanted to go electric. There's not there's nothing really robust that uh, mm-hmm. does it accurately. So we are looking at little projects like that. Those are more commercial type projects. But you know, it still will end up being a price that actually a lawn fanatic with 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 drop off edges um, that are you know very time consuming. Actually, if you just whip round once a week and it yeah. took you 10 minutes, it would always look fantastic and you'd always keep the edges true. Uh, so, you know, there are there are different things I think that we can do. In the professional market, obviously, there's there's a lot we can do development-wise for that. Um, you know, going robot in a stadium, yeah. for instance. There are a couple of robot mowers being made at the moment, big stadium ones, but they're, they're tech, tech um, navigation guys that have decided to apply it to lawn mowing and know nothing about lawn mowing or groundsmanship. So mm. it's not something that, oh, well, it went up and down, did all the stripes, but we've got all the tire marks left there and where it's turned around is, is now bare. Uh, uh, and, you know, we're saying, actually, guys, you're going to have to step aside and you're going to have to apply, apply the navigation to the to the mower that we design uh, to go around that because we understand the lawn mowing and what the groundsmen really want. Um but you talk, you talk to a groundsman still, and he was, he will still say, walking behind a lawnmower is the only way that I can check every square meter of grass. Yeah, that's fair. Yeah. You know, if I if I have a robot, I'm still going to have to walk over every square meter of grass. Well, I just randomly walk around a, a two acre football pitch. Cool. Well, um, have you got any questions for us before we wrap? Before we wrap, no, I, I, I hope I haven't been too boring ranting on about <laughs> ranting not. on about lawnmowers. But no, it's, you uh, made still lawnmowers come alive. No, I mean, it's, <laughs> no, it's, no, 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 it's been really, really interesting. It's been really interesting. good. Well, if any of you guys want to try a project, you know, I, I'd love to try and get people at charge for lawn mowing to be, you know, finding that small and niche bunch of customers, those 35 year olds that are going to be earning twice as much money in the next five years because mm-hmm. they value their time, um, you know, are going to be buying a bigger house and they'll want nicer lawns. You know, I, I've seen houses where you can add a hundred thousand pounds with a striped lawn to the value of the property. Oh yeah. You yeah, know, it's a, you know, it's, as, it's as simple as that. that why would pe- they? It's majority people's biggest asset <laughs> is the house and protecting that, increasing that and, you know, getting the value that you need from it is is massive. And I think that's a, going back to the States, I think that's very much an American thing in terms of, yeah. like, protecting your biggest asset. But I, I can see it in, I can see it happening, especially with house prices um, continually going up. It's um, what was maybe somebody's second house on the ladder might now be their forever home, <laughs> as everybody says. But, yeah, yeah interesting. Yeah. Cool. Well, thank you so much. Thanks for coming on. I really yeah, appreciate thanks. it. Really, yeah. Great good. questions, guys. I really enjoyed it. Thank you. Yeah, no See you soon. Thank you. Thank you for tuning into today's episode. If you would like to share your grassroots story, then please be sure to email us at 
thegrassrootspodcast at gmail.com and we'll be sure to get back to you and hopefully get you a scheduled slot. We'd love to hear your story. Alternatively, if you've enjoyed today's show, then we really would appreciate a well-worded five-star review on whichever platform you've tuned in from. Thank you very much. Catch you in the next one.